Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBACs, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. Boy, have we got an episode for you today. This is Julie, one of the hosts for, of the podcast. And my goodness, I just spent about 10 minutes talking with our guests today before we recorded. And there are so many awesome things that I want to say about her. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. And her story, you guys. She's had two V-backs after four C-sections. Okay, yes, you heard me right. Two V-backs after four C-sections. And after her fourth C-section, her doctor told her that nobody in their right mind would touch her with a 10-foot pole. And as mm. you know, Megan shares her story of a VBAC after two C-sections in episode two. Yep, and that was definitely, it was definitely hard to find a doctor to support it, to support me and my choices. And when I did leave my doctor, he told me, good luck, no one's going to want you out there. So I feel like I can totally relate to just that feeling of, whoa, like no one's going to want want me, you know. <laughs> it's very hard, very, very hard. Yeah, and that, and that was just after two C-sections. You guys, yeah. I'm going to share some really awesome statistics because if you've been listening, you know that I love a good study and some good data to support it. But before I go ahead and tell all of Tabitha's story, I'm going to turn it over to her. But wait, 
First, I got to tell you one more thing. She's a midwife. You guys, she was so, um, her birth inspired her so much that she decided to become a midwife so that she could support other women in their birthing choices. So anyways, let's turn it over to two V-backs after four C-sections, midwife, awesome, Tabitha from Idaho Falls, Idaho. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Um, (laughs) Well, my journey, I guess, is what it feels like, began with my first pregnancy like most of us. And I found out that I was expecting twins. And I switched doctors halfway through, through my care. I didn't feel good about my choice in obstetricians. And so I switched and I thought that I was doing a really good job, like, oh, I like her, it's going to be great. Then we got down to the crunch time of me being in labor and at 37 and a half weeks, and I knew that baby A was head down, but she would never check. And so I ended up um, with a C-section at seven centimeters dilated and in labor. And yeah, so that began the first cesarean section. And then the next, the next birth, I guess, or next pregnancy, I knew that I really wanted a VBAC. And so I found a doctor. We were living out east at the time. And I found a doctor that said that she would do a VBAC. So I was really excited. And I started kind of preparing myself, but still not super educated. I went into that one not knowing much about what informed choice was <laughs> and informed consent. And so I kind of had things happen to me instead of being in charge of my own care. And so the obstetrician broke my water without me being asked. And, oh my gosh. and I was kind of in labor, I like starting into labor. Um, she said that I was six centimeters dilated, but I don't think I, I don't know. I'm not sure on that one. And then they started me on Pitocin without asking. And I just kind of had this cascade of intervention happen. And somewhere along the way, I got really scared, even though I wasn't feeling my contractions yet. And I ended up with an epidural that actually, um, actually had a weird effect on my body and so it kind of um, caused a lot of pain on the right side of my body only from like head to toe just the right half of my body and they kept pushing more and more of the IV for for um, the the epidural and lo and behold finally I I just didn't feel good about what was going on. I actually felt like I was going to lose my baby. And my husband had the same feeling. And so I asked for another cesarean section, being completely dilated, and went in after being in labor for a long time and had a C-section. And when they went to go place the spinal block, um, they found out that the epidural was misplaced. So that, oh that was my second cesarean section. And then I don't know why I kept having babies after this, but I did. So <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so, right? My third pregnancy, 
I just thought, oh, there's no way that I can even try to have a VBAC, like, I'm done. It's okay. And so I just actually, I just had a C-section, and I was actually in labor that time too. So that one ended in a C-section, and then somewhere along the way, I have a really close dear friend that was telling me about a midwife, and I don't even know that I had really understood what a midwife was until then. And she, she's like, maybe you should just ask her and see what she says. And she was in Utah, and I was in Idaho by this time. And so it was like a five-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> and I called her, and it was the first time that someone was like, oh, my goodness, that's great. Let's, I feel comfortable with you. Let's go ahead and do this. And just awesome to feel like I wasn't um, broken. <laughs> and so yeah. I started caring with her and had, a, had really good care and um, learned a lot about informed choice and about diet and taking care of my body and just felt really empowered. And I think halfway through that pregnancy, my husband was with me at a prenatal visit and we walked out and he said, why aren't you doing this? This totally is something weird that you would do. <laughs> and so it kind of got my wheels turning towards becoming a midwife. And anyways, so then I went through and kind of tried to have a baby and 42 and a half weeks <laughs> into pregnancy. Whoa. Um, it wasn't really working, and I didn't understand why. And so I went to an obstetrician, and he was furious. And he just said, what are you thinking? No one would ever touch anyone like you with a 10-foot pole. And mm. I looked at him like, I might actually punch you. But yeah. I remember a C-section then. I felt like we were kind of out of options, you know, when you're doing something so risky that no one really believes in except for you and maybe your midwife. Then you just, you kind of, I don't know, get a little fearful at 42 and a half weeks. <laughs> were your dates so, like super accurate? Yeah. Yep, really accurate. I don't know what happened, except for that I kind of have a weird theory that, um, and you'll, I guess you'll hear why after the successful VBAC story, but um, I kind of think that when I was completely dilated with my C-sections, because almost every C-section I was completely dilated, I just wonder if they nicked a part of my cervix because it opens up and becomes your uterus, right? I mean, that's all the cervix is. And I think it just created some scar tissue. So I had my, my last cesarean section, number four, and then I decided to start midwifery school. And then I also ended up, um, yeah, choosing to have another baby, which was crazy. <laughs> and so I got pregnant and I found a different midwife in Utah because Idaho laws are 
different than Utah laws. And again, really great care. Just loved her to death. And we got to like 40 and I think three or four days after my due date. And I kind of had an emotional breakdown. I didn't think I was ever going to go into labor. And I was pretty sure my body was broken. But she just kept saying, it's okay. You got this. I'll give you someone to talk to. And one was my really good friend that you'll you'll get to hear her podcast story in um, like a week or two. And she really just spoke like words of wisdom, I guess, and inspiration to me. And then the next day, I got up in the morning and my water broke. And I kind of like was sitting there in disbelief that my water broke (laughs) all on its own. And I was like, am I feeling contractions? What's going on? And I was. And so we headed down to Utah, my husband and I, and I was in labor for a good, good amount of time and just kind of warmed up to labor like a normal human being does. It was awesome. <laughs> and then I started into active labor. I remember it getting pretty intense. And it kind of continued on this way for a while. And I kind of started feeling pushy, which was really strange. And then I didn't feel pushy anymore. So my midwife checked me. And I just remember the look on her face still. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if I want to hear. And she goes, well, um, you're like one centimeter dilated. Oh, no. scar tissue on your cervix. And I'm just going to massage it. And we're going to see what happens. And all I heard her say after that was, we're going to probably transport. And um, I think I shut down completely emotionally and mentally, and I was having these really hard contractions. And I didn't hear her say at the time, "Um, so we're going to give it like three hours. And I didn't hear that. I didn't catch anything after transport. That's it. That's all I heard. I was kind of a crazy person. (laughs) And I actually even remember, and she's going to laugh because I told her this later, but I remember a lot of times during that whole three-hour period, I remember wanting to push her out the window, like really badly. (laughs) And I remember she even brought a baby in while I was laboring to try to like convince me that I was doing this amazing job. And I remember looking at her like, what are you doing? Do you not understand how much pain I'm in? And that does not help at all. (laughs) And so she checked me three hours later, and I was like nine centimeters dilated. And yeah, like right after that, I actually started pushing. And 20 minutes later, I had my first successful VBAC and I can't even tell you the joy that just I it was complete and utter bliss and joy of getting to finally hold my own baby and be the first one to hold my own baby and it was amazing 
it was amazing. I still remember those feelings. And anyways, so that was my first successful VBAC with a midwife. And I got to train under all these midwives while I was becoming a midwife. And then I, halfway through school, decided to have one more baby because, you know, who likes easy stuff? Like, let's just (laughs) make sure life is exceptionally hard and chaotic. And so I was able to have him at home. I was actually getting pretty close to being done with midwifery. And I decided I wasn't going to travel to Utah. And I was just going to have my husband catch. And it was illegal for a midwife to actually be there. And so even my preceptor in Idaho Falls couldn't be there, which was really hard for me. But we decided that we felt good about doing this. I don't know that I would recommend it. I would never do it again because it's nice to have a midwife to clean up things. (laughs) And and then after the baby comes, like my husband got a little bit panicky about bleeding in the placenta and things like that. But that ended up being a super quick labor. It was five hours from start to finish. Wow. And he just came out like super great and and uh, screaming and didn't stop for three months and everything went really well. So that's just kind of my story and now I'm a licensed midwife and and just trying to really support women for the decisions that they make and hopefully empower women along the way like you girls are <laughs> doing. Oh, oh, that is so exciting. What, so tell me, how old is your youngest VBAC baby? He is two now. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. Okay. I think that there is something to be said about knowing how to resolve issues that are outside of normal instead of rushing to a, straight to a C-section has been lost over time. You know, in the early 1900s, doctors very rarely performed C-sections. The C-section rate in the United States was less than 5% in the early 1900s. And that's because C-sections were, you know, a lot riskier. And so doctors and midwives knew so many ways and so many things to check for to get a baby out vaginally rather than rush straight to a C-section. And, Megan, you're probably, like, just laughing at me over here because I do this to Megan all the time. Like, I get off on this little statistics facts, history type stuff. And anyways, in the in the um, 1970s, the, the C-section type that we do now, which is called low transverse, that actually became a lot more popular because it was a lot safer. Um, antibiotics became more readily available. Pain medication was easier to access. And because of that, that's kind of like the pivotal time where people stopped learning how to turn a baby, how to, you know, massage through scar tissue to get the cervix to dilate and and work effectively. Uh, You know, they stopped learning a lot of things that would help a a vaginal delivery because it was just easier to do a C-section. And so here we are now in, you know, the 2010s, about to be 2020s, can you believe it? And... It's just something that's been lost. The knowledge has been lost along the way. And so 
so it made me really happy when I heard you say that your midwife was going to massage your cervical scar. And I know you really hated her at the moment. But, <laughs> but look at how, look at what an impact it made. Your second baby practically flew out of you, how fast your labor was. You know, that's just incredible. So thank you for showing that. And who was your midwife? So my first midwife was Donna Young uh-huh. um, out of Vernal, Utah. Yeah. And my second midwife, the one with the, the successful VBAC, mm-hmm. was Chris Miller out of Ogden, oh! Utah. I love Chris Miller. I don't know Donna Young very well. Yeah. Chris Miller is incredible. Anybody in Utah. Yeah. Chris Miller is your gal for, like, anything. She knows how to do everything. Like, she really does. She has all kinds of, all types of births, all kinds of complications, and she's really good at it. Cool. Yeah, she is pretty amazing. I loved her as a preceptor. So, yeah, some good midwives for sure. Yes, awesome. Okay, and I just want to talk a little bit about VBAC after more than one C-section. We know, like, VBAC after two C-sections, there's a lot of providers that will still consider that as an option, a nice safe option. But when you get to three C-sections or more, that's when providers start to be like, okay, I'm not going to touch you with a 10-foot pole. Nobody's going to want you out there. You're a ticking time bomb, things like that. These are all things that we've heard, right? So I just you know, the little hamster in on the wheel in my brain started running around and getting my mind turning. And so I looked up some studies on VBAC after multiple C-sections. And there's actually seven of them that have been done since 1995. And as always, you can find this in a blog on our website right now. And the seven studies collectively found that the average rate for rupture in women with more than two cesareans, so we're talking about three or more here, right, was roughly 1%. The highest study had a rupture rate of 1.8%, okay, and they get as low as 0%, actually. One of the studies was 501 women laboring after three or more C-sections had zero ruptures, zero out of 501. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, even ACOG defines in their new updated guidelines as of 2017 that the acceptable risk for a rupture is 1% to 2%. Like, you should not automatically be disqualified if your rupture rate calculation is less than 2%. So that's actually pretty awesome. And ACOG, as you know, or in their latest bulletin, emphasizes that women be given options for vaginal birth after C-sections. And there is no blanket statement regarding what contraindicates VBAC. There's not one single one. So if your doctor has told you, you have to have C-sections, challenge it. And he might be right. He might be right, but you might find that by talking to other doctors that you might have options besides C-sections. So check out our blog, utahvbacklink.com slash blog. Don't forget to head over to our shop with all things VBAC related, utahvbacklink.com slash shop. 
you can find them both at utahviewbacklink.com. If you don't already know what that is, check it out. I remember doing the research. And actually, when I was doing the research, all I could find was statistics on one or two um, Mm C-sections and then a VBAC after that, you know. And I just, I didn't even feel like it was a gamble for me. And so I don't always go around telling women to do a VBAC, you know. You have to feel good about it. You have to come at it from a place of peace in your own yes. life and, and, you know, and willing to be educated so that you do know the risk and benefit. But for me, it just it made sense and it felt right. And my husband was right alongside of me feeling, feeling like this was good. This is a good option. And I never did well during my C-sections. I actually had quite a few complications. And so it just actually felt more risky to do another C-section than it did to try a VBAC. And I guess when you're in that situation, you know, you have those people saying, what are you trying to do? You know, kill your baby? And I was like, no, I'm trying to survive. Like, you don't get it. Yeah, it was interesting. Several years back, there was a woman here local to Salt Lake City, and she passed away on the operating table with her fifth C-section baby. And the news was, you know, all over that story there. They, you know, this this mom died, leaving five young kids at home. But not once did they mention that she died due to complications because related to the fact that she had had so many C-sections. That was what led to her death. But people just omit that. And... You know, that's why everyone's so crazy about um, when you try to VBAC after more than one C-section especially is because they just hear these stories and nobody adequately talks about the risks of repeat C-sections, especially when you want to have more than a, a couple kids. Right. And where are those risks when we walk into that first C-section unknowing? I mean, I I'm glad that there are cesarean sections. I definitely have been in some situations as as a midwife where I'm like, yeah, okay, that was definitely valid and warranted, Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for them. But half the time, they're just doing them, and I don't feel like they're really giving women a chance, let alone informed consent on, hey, did you want a big family? Because this may not be the option for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that ACOG and says that should be a part of VBAC counseling is, you know, how big do you want your family to be? That should be something that you consider when making decisions for your mode of delivery. Exactly. Yeah. And something that I also loved when we talked to Dr. Cormano in our special episode one is that she said that she thinks it's very important to do that, you know, in her practice that she does VBAC counseling and cesarean counseling and talks about the risks of both sides. And I think that that is something that um, we hopefully will start seeing more and more as VBAC just continues to be more educated um, and women become more aware of their options. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Tabitha for sharing your story with us and man you guys the fight that Megan 
and Tabitha and everybody else has to have after two or more C-sections is just a little crazy, depending on the data. Just when you look at the data, it's just a little crazy. And I admire and respect the two of you and every other woman who has had to fight hard to birth the way that she wants to birth. So, so praises to you and everybody else. And I just hope one day that we can look forward to a country and a world where women women are respected and trusted with their instinct and their intuition as far as birth is mm -hmm. considered. I love it. Hopefully that happens. I think yeah. we're headed in the right direction for sure. I think so too. Hey guys, did you know we have a new website? Well, we do. It is thevbacklink.com. We are always looking for new stories. To share your story and possibly be on our podcast, post your story on social media and hashtag why we be back and tag us at the VBAC link or you can complete the new form on our brand new website at the vbacklink.com slash share don't forget about our online VBAC prep courses to learn more head over onto our website be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews we are excited to hear what you think for families local to Utah be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.